Okay, I'm going to invite Pastor Steve up, and, and before he shares the word, um, I'm going to ask you a few questions. I hope you all don't. The pulpit is not there. There it is. No, we don't need it right now. Anyway. All right. So. You're like I'm on the spot. You are on the spot. I said to Matthew um, and Jamie before, uh, as, as we stepped into worship, I, I walked up and I went, and round two, fight. It was like ready for round two. I, I'm, I don't know about you, but for, a, for us, we are definitely ready for round two. Amen? Amen. <laughs> um, so this is week one of Transformed talking about spiritual health, but all through uh, the, the two-month period, we're going to be talking about uh, transformation in different areas of our lives. So, Pastor Steve, what excites you about this series that we're starting, Transformed? Uh, for me, uh, what excites me is uh, seeing the, the people who is the church, uh, so you and me, and even those that you're inviting along to church, seeing us all grow up together in Christ, uh, where we can focus on uh, seven specific topic, topics to help us not just uh, overcome but also thrive in life. Uh, so from a, from a pastoral perspective, we're going to be looking at it uh, at each topic from a, from a message point of view on a Sunday. Uh, you're going to be having readings in your book uh, every day. Uh, hopefully most of you have found a, ho- a grow group that you can join. Uh, if you haven't, please make sure you catch up with James and Amy today. And, uh, and that, that we're all just going to be allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us in, uh, in specific ways as we grow up and into Jesus. Amen? Hmm. Yeah, that sounds really good. Very good, very good. Well, that is one thing we're starting today, but we've also started dual services. So this is number two. Woo! <laughs> um, so, but why actually are we doing dual services? Why do we have two services on a Sunday morning? That's a really good question. Uh, why do you think we're having dual services is a good question for you to actually ask yourself. But for me, the best thing about us having dual services is almost like uh, we are planting two different churches. And it shifts our mindset. When When we're full, so as you look around, just have a bit of a look around. Normally on a Sunday morning, this section would be fairly full, wouldn't it? And, uh, and this section usually is the first one to fill up and people then come into the middle. Uh, on, in our first service, all the ushers made everybody sit in the middle. Okay? And, uh, and, and the beautiful thing about that was there wasn't enough room in the middle. I thought we might have had 20 people here at our first service. We had over 40 people at our first service. 48. 48 people at our first service this morning. So get that picture in your mindset. But we had most of them sitting here. And some down the back there and a couple along the back seat over there. So there, was a, there were really a lot of empty pews and there's a few over this side I can see. What that does is it shifts something in you. It helps you understand that there are people that God has asked us, the individual members of the church, to share his love and grace with. And every one of us are called to be able to bring people into the kingdom of God. Hmm. So if we, we can begin to see it and shift uh, our mindset to see, well, it's actually my responsibility to see those seats as much as it is God's responsibility. We're going to open ourselves up and say, God, I'm open for you to use me to bring my friends to Jesus or my family to Jesus. Open us up for an encounter that they can't deny you and that they will start to enter a, a great fellowship and church life as well, mm. the same as we do. Amen? Yep. Yeah, so that's one of the reasons. The other reason is, well, 
why not? Let's just shake it up a bit and have a bit of a go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, obviously, dual services means a lot of change. Yep. Uh, there's things we're going to have to do differently. So, uh, what's our biggest need in moving forward? How can we How can we partner with this? What can we do? He asks really good questions, doesn't he? I didn't come up with them. Oh. <laughs> he asks really good questions anyway. So, well done, mate. Um, what is our biggest need at the moment from a personal perspective? So, I, I would ask that we would all consider um, embracing change because uh, we're actually entering a season of fast change. There's, there's, there's building work that's going to begin both outside and then when outside is complete, inside. So that's going to mean that lots of change. You're going to walk in and go, oh, wow, something's different again. What do I need to know? What do I need to do? So I would ask that we would actually step into change and not resist change. Because resisting change is not, not something that um, is going to help us expand beyond these things. So I would ask that we would step into change. So be, be prepared that things are going to be a little bit of turmoil, I suppose, mm, over the next pains. few months. Uh, secondly, I think this is probably the most important one, uh, that we would offer grace um, the way God does. The way Jesus offers grace to us, exceedingly abundantly, over the top of grace, that uh, there's going to be changes, going to be shifts. We're going to get things wrong. Uh, you may even get things wrong. Uh, a really simple one was the cafe was supposed to be happening this morning and uh, a couple of people come up to me and said, I'm really sorry, Steve. And I'm like, no, 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 did you not hear? There's grace for this. You've got to grow up and learn the things that are going on. And I said to my son, it's okay, mate. I know you're late. I know you got caught. It's all right. But understand that there's grace for this and we're all going to grow up together. Amen. So there's, there's different things that are happening. I had to say to the early morning service, at 10.20, guys, Pastor Jamie's going to be, feel really rude and he's going to ask you to jump up and exit the building. Yeah, so that's a big I won't change. Feel rude. No. Oh, Bye. Okay. I would. That's why I gave it to Pastor Jamie. Anyway, uh, so you know what I mean? So it's just like extending grace to one another is a really big thing that we can practice. We can practice it in this environment, but then we're able to take it from practice and actually put it into effect in every area of our life. And if we can extend grace to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we can extend grace to those who need to know Jesus. And I think ultimately that's the biggest one. Amen. So, so extending grace to each other and building a culture, being conscious of building a culture where we're stepping into love, acceptance and forgiveness. Okay. So if I could just ask that that would be our, our, our standard point. Uh, if someone upsets you, then step back and say, okay, how would Jesus deal with this? Uh, he would extend grace and love. And you know what? If I've got to be the first one to accept forgiveness, uh, to extend forgiveness, then I will do that to make it work. Mm. Okay? So that's it. Man, thank you. Let's give this guy a round of applause. No. Yeah. I'm going to embarrass him for a moment, but uh, this guy sets a lot of vision, and uh, this is a really great season we're in, and God is doing amazing things. So it's, uh, it's really nice to have someone who really partners with God and, and enjoys the ride and, and tells us to enjoy the ride too. Amen? All right. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, that didn't happen in the first service, by the way. <laughs> or else I would have pulled, pulled him up on it for this one. Thank you, mate. That's really cool. Awesome. And look, servant heart and everything. Praise God for that. Awesome. So big, big, uh, big shout out to our worship team. Yeah, I know. I got gotcha. you. 
A big shout out to our worship team. They, they stepped up and did two sets of worship today. So congratulations, worship team. That was really, really yeah. good. Can I invite all of the kids, whether they're in Christ, Bilby's or Kids Church, please just come forward and stand in front of me, please. That would be really cool. So all the children, not too close, just here, just here. Yep. Good boy. All of you, come forward. Don't be shy. It's okay. Everyone come forward. Everyone come forward. Come and stand with me. I'll hold your hand if you want. It's okay. All right. Look at this. How beautiful are our children, amen? Look at everybody. Look, oh, oh, I've got to come out the front. Pastor Steve asked me to come out the front. Okay. All right. So, guys, every week we're going to call you to come out the front. Is that okay? We're going to call you to come out the front every week from now on. So we're going to say, when Pastor Steve or someone asks you to come out the front, we want you to run out the front. Is that okay? Not mum and dad pushing you, but you would say, yes, we're going to come out the front. Sometimes we'll do a little story for you. Sometimes we'll just send you off to kids' church. But today we're going to pray for you. Can we pray for you? Yeah? So as the leaders just come forward to come and collect the kids, let's just extend our hands out to our children. Lord, blessed is the... Blessed is the man that his quiver is full of arrows. Well, how much more blessed are we that this church is full of children? Lord, even those who aren't here today, we ask that this this grace will be extended to them also. Lord, we ask that you will bless our children. Multiply love, grace and forgiveness in their hearts. Protect them. Grow them up to be warriors for Jesus. Not warriors for Jesus, but warriors for Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would put such a spirit in them of Joshua, that they would step into the promises of God and not look back, that they would continue to grow up and into the fullness of Christ. So we pray, bless them as they go today. Be with their teachers. Lord, impart wisdom and knowledge into their hearts, but ultimately let them encounter your love and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So everyone, if you just want to follow up to Pyro here as she heads out, go with it. Off you go. Head on out. Awesome. So the other thing we're doing is we're, we're just beginning to introduce our, finally introduce our sign-in for our kids, okay? So uh, it's really good for us to understand the importance from a child perspective of signing them into safety. So our teachers are watching them all now. So now uh, for, for the parents in the room and the, your kids are heading out to Bilby's or Christ or, or Kids Church, now, now understand that the responsibility is handed over to the leaders of the of those groups to care for your children the way that you're caring for your children, that they would love them as much as you love them. So understand that and, uh, and know that they're safe. So lastly, at the end of the service, don't just go and grab a coffee and say, where's my kids? You know, but go out there as quick as you can, sign your kids out of the group and uh, bring them back inside so that they can continue to fellowship with us as well. Amen? Can you hear me all right? Oh, good. Awesome. All right. Cool. I need water. I'm really thirsty today. And so forgive me if I'm drinking out of a bottle. But uh, I'm really excited. The service this morning went really great. And uh, the people that were here, another reason we're doing dual services is people sometimes can miss church because of timing. And we had four people that I know of that wouldn't have been able to come to church today if we just had a 10 o'clock service. Uh, so those four people came to church for the service this morning, which, which was really good for them. They were able to participate. They were able to be encouraged. 
and uh, they, they, they've gone off to do what they need to do today, knowing that they've spent that time in worship and they've been in fellowship and they've heard the word of God and they're encouraged to step into this week. The same way that everyone else is. Amen? So, look, there's benefits all across the park of why we're doing this and I'm really, really excited. Cool. So, hello. I think we should start there. Amen? I mean, I know Jamie got me up, but hello. It's sort of, it's, uh, it's really, really good to have you all here. And uh, welcome officially from myself to you to our, our new campaign, 50 Days of Transformation. And uh, I'm really excited to see what God's going to do in this. Uh, this weekend we begin as Caitlin so well, so wonderfully shared that we're going to be looking at our spiritual health. The ushers have come around and get, given you each a, a, a piece of paper. On that piece of paper are the key points from our sermon today. So you'll be able to fill them in as you go. Uh, be prepared to write them in. If you, don't, if you don't have a pen, just call one of our helpers. They've got a badge on that says, Ask Me, and uh, they will help you out. Uh, but you'll also, for many of you that are doing the, the Transform series from a, a group perspective and doing the, uh, doing the daily devotions, everything is found in this book. Okay, So you don't need an app. You don't need any of that. It's all found in this book. If you just open your page to page two, I think it is, the official number two, you can see there that there is a place to write sermon notes that you want to write down so you can keep them all together. And I just thought I'll give you that piece of paper as well and you can write the things in there and if you feel so later on you can stick it in your book and you can keep it all together for a future reference if God wants to bring you back to that. Is that okay? So just thought I needed to take the time to explain that. But this will become, um, this will become something that you'll use over the next... 50 days to help you unpack God's Word. So I would say begin by opening your Bible and asking God to speak to you by the Holy Spirit to bring revelation to your life and, and to help you to be transformed. And secondly, by opening this, begin the, the you know, he might lead you to a scripture in the Bible and then open your daily devotion and spend that time uh, looking at the devotion and reflecting on the questions that will be asked. Is that something we can all do? I'll be doing it along the journey with you, so I think I'm looking for even some wonderful growth of transformation in my own life as well. So can we have the projection up? Awesome. So 50 Days of Transformation, <clears throat> we started with an introduction two weeks ago, so part two is up there. How This is the title of the message, How to Get Closer to God uh, and Basically Transformation in My Spiritual Health. How do I get closer to God? If you're anything like me, um, I, and I, and I, I kind of suspect you're a little bit like me. Uh, there are times in your life where you feel distant from God, uh, where you feel like it's dry, everything's hard, and you feel like, well, God, you can't even hear me, almost like there's a, a chasm separating your prayers from God and God can't hear you. Am I just speaking to myself, or do you think you've had moments in your life like that where it's dry? You, you haven't opened your Bible, and if you do open your Bible then you're not getting anything from it because you're probably reading Deuteronomy or something like that. And uh, that's not what God wants to speak to you for today. So, but you're feeling like that, that you're separated from God. So this is a question that I think we ask from an emotional standpoint. How do I get closer to God? What is my understanding of unpacking this? Because I, I really want to be closer to God. And I think we've all asked that question before. Is that right? So understand that that's where we're coming from. Um, our key verse... Entering into the Transform series is Romans 12, 2. 
And I'd really appreciate if you'd read it with me. Do you mind reading this with me this morning? So let's begin with do. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2. So do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to us. He's saying, don't be conformed to what you see around you, but allow yourself, open yourself up to be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So this is the key verse throughout uh, uh, throughout our transform period uh, of focus. But I want to say this. Listen carefully. The way you think determines the way you feel, and the way you feel determines the way you act. The way you think determines the way you feel, and the way you feel determines the way you act. And a lot of the times we look at people and we judge the way they act based upon the way they act. We don't actually understand that there have been things that have happened in their life that cause them to think certain things about themselves which manifests in the way that they act. Okay, Um, I'm saying this differently in the second service because I want you to understand what is happening here, that the way we act is not who we are. It's the fruit of the way we think. So if you're struggling uh, with low moods, for example, now I'm talking exclusion from people who are suffering with mental illness, but I'm talking here, if you're suffering with, with, with constantly feeling low, constantly feeling blue, and therefore you're acting out of that a depressed life style and, and things around you aren't had, it ultimately comes back to what you think and what you believe in yourself. So the process of transforming your mind changes the way you think. And if you can have a revelation in your the way you think and you begin to start to think joyous thoughts, ultimately you will feel joyous within yourself and you will express actions of joy in your life. Some of you may have been laughing at the way I was worshipping or praising God this morning. But let me tell you, that was an action of the way I felt this morning, which is full of joy and full of thanksgiving and gratitude to God. And I was allowing that to come out of my life as an expression unto God through my actions. Because I understand that the way I think will eventually come out as fruit in my life. Does that make sense? So mind renewal is really, really important for us as we move forward. So the key to transformation starts not in your actions, not in your behaviors, not in your body. It doesn't start with your will. It starts with your thoughts. And most of the time, people are trying to correct their actions more than actually correcting their thoughts. So we get this, this, uh, this, this dual purpose happening in our lives. We, we're working on the fruit instead of actually working on the root. Right? We've got a healthy root, and we all know our root is Jesus. We are grafted into Jesus. If we start to think life the way Jesus thinks life, then we will have healthy fruit. Okay? You can't make an apple good. The tree does that. All right? <clears throat> so we're going to take this principle of Romans 12, 2, and apply it to seven key areas of our life. 
And uh, you'll find them. You can grab one of them on the way out if you haven't already got one. They're on the little table. But these are the seven key areas we're going to look at over the next seven weeks. And we're going to look at um, transformation in our relational health, excuse me, our physical health, our mental health, our spiritual, emotional, financial health, and even our vocational health. So it sounds like it's a pretty all-encompassing uh, look at, at, at our holistic person. Uh, so we're going to look at all seven major areas of our life uh, about how do I change the way I think about this so that I feel about it differently. And therefore, when I feel about it differently, my actions line up with the way I think. All right? So that's sort of basically it in a nutshell. Transformation changes us from emptiness to fullness. Transformation in our minds and in the way we think changes us from defeat and failure to faith and victory. You want to know how people live in faith and live in victory? It's because they've been transformed to believe that way. And, and that because they're believing differently and they're living it differently, they're able to act it out differently and their life seems to be much different than your life because they've been transformed in that area. And you know, you can't get other people's revelations from listening to other people. The only way you can get their revelation is actually by listening to Holy Spirit's revelation for your life. So you can't just take what one person's saying and say, I'm going to be like that. No, you've got to take that to Jesus and you've got to pray about it and say, Lord, transform the way I think, renew my mind and help me become the person you want me to be. All right? So let us begin our first session on spiritual health with this statement. Now, this is a statement. It, it, it's not always the truth but it is still a statement that we can observe in our life. The reason I say it's not always the truth is because there's a section in the Bible when you come to it, it's called the wisdom literature or the, po- the poetical literature. It's, it's Proverbs, which is Proverbs is saying the good will, will do good and the bad will get bad and all this sort of stuff. And then you've got this, this wonderful thing of praise in the Psalms, which is all poetic, but we see that you get what you... You get what you go for in a sense that if you praise God, you get praises. If you, if you live good, you, you, you got prosperous life. But there's this really interesting one that sort of sits in there. It's called the book of Job, which actually counteracts all of that thinking and says, you know what? Even though you're good, you still got some bad in your life. And, and, and God allowed the enemy to test Job to the point where he lost everything. But ultimately, he never gives Job an answer. He just says, I am God, I am sovereign, and I know more than you. You have to believe me. So that sometimes happens in our life, doesn't it? Sometimes we just got to suck it up and say, God, you're sovereign. I don't understand, and that's just the way it's going to be. But, but from a standpoint of, of healthy growth in our life, this statement is actually an observation of truth. The further away you get from God the more trouble you're going to have in your life. The more trials, the more difficulties, the more stress, the more things are going to go wrong because you're not cooperating with your Creator. You're not following God's plan for your life. And the Bible says the ways of the unrighteous is rough. It's full of thorns. It's difficult. It's a rocky road, isn't it? 
But on the other hand, the closer I get to God, the more my life is going to be transformed. And by closer, we're talking about our wills. Hear this really clearly. By closer to God, we're talking about our wills being let go so that his will is discovered and achieved in and through our life. You've heard me say this before, that your life is not your own. It has been purchased with a high ransom. His name is Jesus. It cost him his life. And for you to be accepted as a son and daughter of God, it costs you your life, which means you have to lay down your will for the will of the Father. And therefore, what actually happens is we often approach God from a perspective of what will you do for me? But if we can let that go and come to a place of, God, what can I do for you as your son or your daughter? We're now living in a life of transformation. Transformation is such a radical shift in our life. It does changes like this. The Apostle Paul, um, he goes from this radical religious terrorist to becoming the apostle of love where he writes the most amazing description of love in 1 Corinthians 13. There is no other writing in the world like it. 1 Corinthians 13 is a beautiful love poem of the way God thinks of us and treats us from a perspective of love and therefore how we should treat and love other people based upon that. What a radical shift. He's gone from murdering people to now writing this transformed perspective of the way we should love others. Think about Isaiah. Isaiah was transformed from a depressed person into a courageous person when he met God. When he got close to God, he was transformed from being depressed to becoming courageous. Why is that? Because God's interested in changing your life story. Moses is another one. Moses, Moses moved from a murderer. He literally murdered somebody to the point of being able to lead a nation. And when he went into the tent with God or when he went up from the mountain, he comes down and guess what? His countenance is changed because he's, been, he's, he's reflecting the glory of God through his countenance. What a transformation. What a shift. It was seen in his life. You see, God's in the business of bringing transformation. He, he used a murderer to lead a nation. So God's interested just as much about transferring and tra- uh, transforming your, your life. Now, sheep. Who knows what sheep are like? We all know what sheep are like, yeah? Some people have call them dumb, you know, because they're just used to wandering off. Yeah? Sometimes they get caught in a fence. Sometimes they get caught by dingoes and dogs. Other times they're just led astray and they're just chomping on the grass and they just let off and all of a sudden the mob's moved on and they've got no one around them. Well, we're kind of like that, aren't we? If we're not pursuing God, if we're not pursuing the heart of transformation, what tends to happen is life gets in the way and we tend to wander off. It's the exact same principle. We tend to be like sheep. And, and the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. All we like sheep have gone astray. We each have turned into our own way. We tend to wander off. 
I can remember times when I really felt God's presence. I remember times that were just so miraculous that I felt like I could just go and lay my hands on someone and raise the dead. And I remember times where I felt so flat that I'm like, God, you're so far away from me. So I can relate to this and I hope you're relating to it the same as I can. Because the truth of the matter is, God's never moved. We are the ones that usually wander off, aren't we? If we feel like God is distant, then we're missing something in Jesus that is not important for our life. And we're going to look at those things today. So there's a story in the Bible that helps us to unpack when we feel like we're a long way from God. It's found in Luke chapter 15. You, you would all know this well. It's been preached by everybody. It's called the story of the prodigal son. It's a story that, that will help you understand and unpack the steps of being able to come back to God so that you could feel his presence in your life again. You know, you might be struggling in that area of your life at the moment. Maybe you've been so distant from God, you haven't been at church in a really long time. Well, know that the good shepherd is drawing you back. And these are steps that, that you can put in your life to help you stay growing up and becoming who Jesus wants you to become. So let me read this to you. You'll find it on the sheet that I've handed out to you. It's Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 24. It's, oh, the reason I want to read it off this is because it's a different version to what we normally re- used to reading. And it's probably just a, a little bit nicer language to help us unpack today. Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, give me my share of your estate now instead of waiting until you die. So his father divided his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and left home to live in a distant land. He's already getting away from the father. He's getting distant from the father. He's got as far away from his father as he could. There, in that distant land, he squandered the gift he'd been given. And I think we've all had that in our life, haven't we? And wasted his life and money on wild parties and reckless living. About the time all his money ran out, a severe famine hit the land and he began to starve because he was left with nothing. Now he's beginning to get hungry. The only job he could find was feeding swine on a farm. He became so desperate and hungry that even the pig slop he was feeding the swine looked good to him. But no one would give him anything for his hunger. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, This is crazy. At my father's home, even the lowest paid workers eat well, while I'm far away dying of hunger. So he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to return home to my father and humbly say, Father, I have sinned against both God and you, and I am not worthy to be a part of this family or called your son. But please, just make me one of your servants who works for you. I'm not even a family member. Just hire me out as a servant. Make me one of your servants who works for you. With that attitude, he headed back home to his father, while the son was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran out to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, he's got his, you know, he's got his prepared speech ready to go for his 
his father. He says this, Father, I've sinned against both God and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. I just love the actions of the father. He ignored that statement altogether. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring me, to the fi- bring me the finest robe in our house and put it on him. Then get my signet ring for his finger and shoes for his feet. Then roast the calf we have been fattening. We're going to celebrate with a feast of eating and drinking. For this child of mine was distant and dead, but now he's back and alive. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. Don't you love that story? It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? It, it begins with the, the sons with such a self-centered life that he can only think about himself. And as Christians, we've got to understand we can be like this at times. It's only about what I want. So he goes to the father. He says, just give me my inheritance. Give it to me. I want this. Don't withhold it from me. And the good father, he gives of that inheritance to his son, even though it would break his heart. It's such a self-centered life. And, and this guy, he wanders off as far as he could be, so he had no accountability at all in his life. And he blew his cash on wine, women, and song. And most likely, more so with women than anything else. He... He blew it to the point that he had no security to buy a house. He had no shelter, no food. And then it's like God just withholds the rain and there's a famine on the land. This son, he's so adamant that he's not going to perish that he goes and finds the only job available and that is feeding the pigs whatever slop they had. And we all know that for for a Hebrew Boy, that is probably the worst act he could ever do. That he wasn't allowed to eat pigs. It was an abomination for him to touch touch pigs, let alone eat with the pigs. So you can see his life is completely in the gutter. To the point where even the slop looks good. He comes to his senses, the servants, even the poorest guys in my father's house are living so much better than I ever could in this pig slop. Maybe I should go home. I think it begins with a a selfish motive and I think in the process, and probably as he's walking home, thinking in his head, how am I going to tell my dad what I've done? I think in the process there's a shift and a change that begins to take place. I want to talk to you today about four points that come from this passage of Scripture that is a pathway back to spiritual transformation. Because I think some of us have been this far. God has allowed situations in your life because He's come knocking on your door. He's knocked on the heart and you haven't listened. We haven't listened. I've done this. I've done, I walked away from God for, for five, four years of my life. Three and a half probably, but four years if I just put a round number on it. I walked away from God and his plans for my life. And God knocked on my heart so many times, it almost cost me my my relationship with my fiancé at the time, who's my wife now. So I I understand this because I've walked it out. So don't think, oh, Pastor, you've got it all in, in control. It's okay. No, I've walked this out and I've lived 
God knocking on the doors of my heart. God's knocked on the door of your heart and you're like, you've, you've ignored it. And then a situation comes on and he knocks on the door of your heart and, and you kind of hardened your heart a little bit to God because he didn't fix the other thing that you're asking him to fix. And then, and then, so you kind of ignore him again and he knocks on the door of your heart and he knocks a little bit harder this time. And this time your marriage might be breaking down or your child might be running away or something's going wrong in your life and you knock, he's knocking on the door and he's saying, look, turn to me. Because I'm the only one who can give you strength to be able to see a transformation in your life which will change the life of those around you. And then eventually what actually happens is God steps back and he knocks your door down with a storm, with a hurricane. It hits your life because he's stepped back a protection on your life and that hurricane's come in and that's actually smashed your door down and it's been an atrocity in your life. Some people have lost marriages. Some people have lost children. Some people have lost a relationship with someone that they love dearly. And it's actually because of the pride in your life and you've walked so far away from God that he can't even, you can't even hear his voice anymore. And he's allowed that to happen. And it's like this with the, with the boy in the pig swell. It's exactly the same. And yet there's keys here. And I need to get through these for you. First one is this. Pathway to spiritual transformation. Write this down on your sheet of paper. I get fed up with my life. The first thing we must do is get fed up with our life. Get fed up with the circumstances, the mediocrity of my life. I get fed up with the fact that everyone else is doing good things and I can't even hear God because I'm so distant from Him. Just get fed up with it. That... You just get so sick and tired of being sick and tired. Just get fed up with it. That's what happened. He got fed up with the fact that he had to eat pig swell. Get fed up with it. Nothing is going to happen in your life in this next seven weeks until you first get dissatisfied with the way you are or the way you're living. If you want to grow up into the fullness of who God wants you to be and you want to fulfill the purposes and plans in your life, The key to that is to get fed up with the decisions you're making that are separate from God. You've got to get desperate. Amen? You've got to become anxious for change. Nothing happens until you get fed up. The passage of Scripture, he wasted it all. This is the... The prodigal son, he wasted it all. He had nothing left. He got desperate and hungry. He finally came to his senses. Are you there yet? Or are you going to allow the biggest storm in your life to hit you? I think we have a wise decision to make, and that is, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to respond to the way God's knocking on my heart today through this message. Isn't that a wiser choice than just letting the storms come into your life and destroy whatever it is that you've been building. I think it is. So are you there yet? I can hear a pin drop in this place. Why? Because God loves you just the way you are. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you even more that he wants, doesn't, he will not let you stay there. I'll say it again. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay there. 
Amen? When God wants to get your attention, he'll get your attention. I'd rather hear his still small voice than to hear him in the wind and the rain and the storm. True? Rick Warren says it this way, and I really like this, which is why I'm going to repeat it. You know the old phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But you can salt his oats and make him thirsty. God wants to salt your oats and make you thirsty for him. True? I mean, he's the only one that can quench your thirst, isn't he? We've got to stop looking for it in other things. It's not in the wine, the women, and the song. It's not, in the, it's, it's not in the pursuit of a good career. It's actually can only ever be found in him. The first step to transformation is for you to get disgusted, to get discontent, and to get fed up with the way you're living. Jeremiah 29, 13, God says this, You'll find me when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. That's the message version. But you might hear it this way that you seek God with your entire heart. That's how you would read it in your normal Bibles. Your entire heart. When you seek it more than anything else, you will find it. Amen? The second point is this. So we must, we must first get fed up with ourselves. Then we've got to get, what's the next one? Own up to my sin. You own up, you get fed up, and then you own up. In verse 17 of our reading, when he came to his senses, he said, I have sinned against God and you. I have sinned against God and you. To live without the Creator is to live a life that is not sustainable. And he comes to his life, he comes to this crisis point, and he says, I have sinned against God, and I've sinned against my dad. Nothing is going to happen until you come to stage two in your life. Stage two is you've just got to own up. I've been doing it the way I think best. I've been doing it what I think is best. But for many of us, We've actually got to give up the general manager position of the universe back to God. We all think that we're in control of our own life and that we're the, we're the CEO of what's going on of the universe. But like Job had to understand, God is in control. He's sovereign over absolutely everything in the life. We, we can't even understand the stars, the moon and the skies. We can't understand it, yet God put it all into place. And... And this is actually what it is. We, we've actually got to relinquish control instead of keep digging a deeper pit in our life. Think of, uh, I just had a thought of uh, Dory, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Some of us are in a treadmill of just keep digging, just keep digging, and you're getting tired. You just keep digging up to cover up one mistake after the other, but you've got to relinquish that control. So, so I own up. What do I own up to? Well, it's just that serious. The word is I own up to my sin. Just acknowledge that I've been living in sin, separated from the plans of God for my life. 
Have you ever prayed? Have you ever felt like God's a million miles away? Look at this, Isaiah 59.2. Your sins have separated you from your God and have hidden his face from you. So don't blame God. Reflect on your own life and ask God, what is it that's separating me from you? Because we have this beautiful uh, truth that Jesus is our mediator between God and man. And we can come to Jesus and we can say, Jesus, I can't hear the Father's voice. What have I done that has separated me from the Father? Why have I put myself in such a far and distant land? And he will open us up to hear his voice again because he forgives us of all our wrongdoing. That's where it comes from. It comes from your sin, being separated from God. It's, it's you've moved away and you've given yourself to something. And the Bible has a really strong word for this. This something is an idol. Idol worship is not just rock carvings and gold carvings and other gods. Now, those of you that have come from the East, you understand that better than us in the West because you, you see all of the idolatry in the things that they've got, in the gods that they've made. But for us in the West, our idolatry is even worse. Some people idolize their car. I said even earlier this morning, I remember when we did 40 Days of Transformation in the group that I was in, and I wasn't even leading it. It was awesome. A guy came and he just shared. He said, I, I, I've created an idol out of my car. He used to religiously clean his car, and it was an immaculate car every Saturday morning. He'd spend hours polishing this car and cleaning this car because he loved his car. But if he was busy on a Saturday because someone was having a party or there was something on, he would skip church so he could clean his car on a Sunday. Isn't that putting something before God? Yeah? Like the thing that we put in before God, the way we dress, what we wear can be an idol. The way we look, anything that you love more than God becomes an idol. And doesn't the second commandment say, Thou shalt have no other gods before me? Thou shalt not make any false idols. Money can become an idol. You could be pursuing money so much so that it's gripped your heart and it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for you to enter the kingdom of God. Because money has gripped you in such a way that you cannot be open and generous with it. Isn't that interesting? Money can grip your heart. Success can be an idol. Climbing the corporate ladder. Your business, whether it lives or dies, can be an idol. I've seen that one too much in my own life. Gardening can be an idol. Because you skip church to do your gardening. My trees need pruning and I'm here all day. Right? Do you understand? Like These things, they get in the way and they hurt us. Very much so. So you need to own up to your sin because they've separated you from God. You're as close to God as you choose to be. True? And the reason you might not be as close to God as you think is because you haven't become desperate for Him. You need desperation in your life. If you're anything like me, growing up into, into who I am, 
I prayed desperate, desperate prayers when someone in my family was sick. I prayed desperate prayers when my finances were going under. I prayed desperate prayers when there wasn't even bread on the table. But that's not what God wants from our life. He responds faithfully to those things, but it's not the action or the thing that he's desiring from our life. In fact, the desperation that we need is to come to him and to yoke ourselves to him and to walk with him in the cool of the evening because he's as close to us as we are to ourselves. If I'm desperate enough pursuing the relationship of God, all of those other things... What's he say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of this shall be added unto you. But we're desperate for all of this while we neglect the relationship with God. And he sent Jesus so that we can be elevated to a stature of friendship, the same as Adam and Eve in the garden. So we've got to get desperate for his presence, desperate for relationship. And we can only do that when we deal with the sin in our life. During this week, you're going to read some stuff around five, um, uh, five different habits to put in your life to help you uh, become a person that's pursuing transformation. And they're things like worship and fellowship and prayer and stuff like that. But I want to give you two more today. The first one is this, the habit of a regular spiritual checkup. You need to have a regular spiritual checkup, just like... A, you're, I'm over 40 now. I think I've got to start going to see a doctor once a year or something like that, right? Um, I don't want to, so I probably won't because I go to see Jesus. But we, know, we understand the principle of the checkup. Is that true? We understand the principle of having to go and check our heart and check our blood pressure and make our, sure our cholesterol's right and, and all the other nasty things the doctor wants to do to you. Um, we'll just leave it at that unless you've got a testimony about that later. <coughs> <laughs> Maddie. <laughs> so the habit of a regular spiritual checkup. Doctors will tell you you need to do this. Well, I'm telling you as your pastor, you need to do this. Open your book to page 220. In the, in the back here, this, I think this came out of Rick Warren's uh, Purpose Driven Life, which was the 40 Days of Purpose. He developed, he developed a spiritual health assessment. And so this week, I want to ask you that through your devotional time and set a time aside even today, if you can't do it today, find a day this week where you can spend half an hour in prayerful reflection on doing a spiritual health assessment. This is going to ask you good questions of where you are in worship and fellowship, discipleship and those sorts of things to see where you need to grow up into Jesus. And I would say to make a regular habit of that, maybe once every six months, to see and project how God's growing you up into him. I think that's a good spiritual assessment, isn't it? A good checkup for our life. But that's all about renewing the mind, what we're actually talking about here. There's another one, and this isn't the second one that we need to add, but talking about checkups is one that we can do, and, and I'm going to give you the scripture today. This one, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. This is one that we can do most weeks in a corporate sense. We can do it in our home at any time. We can do it in a grow group. It's this, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Test yourself to make sure you're solid in the faith. 
Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. If you fail the test, do something about it. Is that right? Do something about it. But there's another one that Paul gives us in the first letter to Corinthians. It's this one. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. When we take communion together, it's a moment of a spiritual health check. God, is there anything in my life that is separating me from your plans? Is there an attitude that has snuck into my life that I need to address? Is there an area you want to open me up to in this world? So we're going to do this today in our communion time at the end as we conclude our service. Because it's a spiritual health checkup. And we need to be able to come to the Lord's table with a pure heart. And if we don't ask the questions, then how do we know where we're at? So Paul encourages us, test ourselves. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there are any wicked way in me and lead me in the ways of everlasting. Search me, O God. Search me. Search me, O God. Here's the third step to getting back to spiritual health with God. First, we've got to get fed up. Then we've got to offer up. And thirdly, oh, sorry, thirdly, we've got to offer up. We've got to get sick of ourselves. We've got to offer up ourselves is the third one. I offer up my life. I offer up myself. I offer up my total being. And you notice this in the story of the young man. He's gone from give me, give me, give me, give me. And somewhere along the journey... He comes to this place of make me. What does he say? Make me a servant. You, you know that. You hear that in this, in the, as you read that in the Bible. He goes from, I'm your son. Give me everything that I'm deserving so I can go and blow it on whatever I want. And then he comes back and he's like, humbled. Make me. Make me a servant. I'm not good enough to be a son. I'm not good enough to have the fatted calf. I'm not good enough to have the the signet ring, which is our equivalent to a credit card or their equivalent to our credit card. But he says, make me your servant. This is a change in his attitude. It's a shift. And the question is, are we there? Are we at the place where we could say to God, look, I'm a wretched man, and would you just make me a servant? Because when we come to that place, He accepts that prayer and he elevates us back into sonship. Unless we've prayed that prayer, God, I don't deserve you. Would you make me your servant? Be my Lord, he says. That's what the Bible tells us to ask for. Be the Lord of my life. Unless we're in that position where we're humble enough to say, make me your servant, then he can't make us a son. He can't elevate us into the kingdom. And we have to come to that place where we... Ask God to make us. For us, it's a, it's a look at really quickly the, the caterpillar to the butterfly. It's the metamorphosis. The, the whole word transformation or transformed comes from the word metamorpho, which is linked to the word metamorphosis, which is the transition from a caterpillar to a butterfly. For me, the, the, the prayer that says, make me your servant, humble me, save me, is the chrysalis moment 
of the caterpillar. You could be content walking on the earth like a caterpillar, just crawling on the earth, eating a little bit of leaf here and a little bit of leaf there. You can be the very hungry caterpillar and eat two plums and three strawberries and all that sort of stuff. Or you can humble yourself, put yourself in a chrysalis, ask God to forgive you and let him transform you into a soaring butterfly that flies far above the caterpillar that has to crawl up and down a tree. The butterfly can go from the base of the tree to the top of the tree in a short amount of time. The caterpillar could take a week to get to that top of that tree because he's distracted by this leaf and that leaf and this leaf. The butterfly is not interested in the leaf. He's interested in the top of the tree where he's in the presence of the sunshine. And for us, we're in the presence of the sun. It's a beautiful picture. And when we understand that that's the process of transformation, we understand that we've got to offer up our life. Romans, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping through because there's so much stuff here. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 2 is our key verse. But you can't get to Romans 12.2 without Romans 12.1. It says this, Because God is merciful to you, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. You can't get to transformation unless you first come to sacrifice. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice unto God. And he will lead you into paths of righteousness. Amen? We need to understand that. There is no transformation until we offer ourselves up. The father's response is so important, isn't it? As the son's walking, the father sees him from a long way off. He doesn't even wait for him to come all the way in. The father jumps up and runs to him and and hugs him and kisses his neck and does all of this stuff before he even says, Father, I'm sorry. I've sinned against you and God. The father's response is so important because he's filled with love and he's filled with compassion, it says up there, doesn't it? The moment you just say, God, I'm tired of living the way I've been living. I'm tired of all of this then God will do more than go halfway. God will meet you beyond halfway. He will meet you at that prayer. God doesn't hold a grudge against the dumb stuff you've done. He's ready to lavishly pour this on you. He's ready to bring out the best of you. And he brings out the shoes. He brings out the robe of righteousness. He brings out the ring, which is identity in your life. And he calls you his son. He calls you his daughter. Once we come home, we're enwrapped in God's love. All is forgiven. And that leads me to the fourth one. There's a celebration in that, isn't there? When God says, call out the, the, the Father says, call out the fatted calf and let's put it to the slaughter. There's a celebration. There's not condemnation when you come home. You come back to God in celebration and that leads you to this place of point four where you lift up your praise. 
I lift up my praise in that place. That is, that is speaking entirely of the celebration that, I, that, that is happening above me and is happening in my life as I'm grateful that, that Jesus has set me free. Lift up your praise and just say thank you to God. Luke 15, we're going to celebrate with a feast of eating. Doesn't that sound awesome? Life becomes a party when you come to transformation. Psalm 68.4 says this, Sing to God, sing praises to His name. Lift up a song to Him. His name is the Lord. For your own transformation, you need to start singing at church. I'm going to look at someone when I say that because I want you to hear it, son. For your own transformation, you need to start singing at church. I'm going to say it over here as well. For your own transformation, you need to start singing praise at church. There's a study that was done. Rick Warren talks about it in his sermon. A psychologist friend of his at the time came to see him for... When people come to see him for depression, his first question is this. Did you sing all of the songs at church this week? If they said no, he said, I want you to go and sing all of the songs at church for the next three weeks and come back and see me. He never really understood why he was doing that until this week. A global study came out done by a Swedish researcher. This is about five years ago. They'd done a scientific study and concluded that the habit of group singing, not singing by yourself, the habit of group singing is good for your health. It is a great therapy to sing with other people. It's good for your mental health. It's good for your emotional health. It's good for your social health. And it's good for your physical health. All the different areas. They did an extensive study and they discovered that singing with other people lowers your blood pressure, releases endorphins, which makes you feel good, improves your mood, builds your confidence, relieves the loneliness, releases negative emotions and stress, and creates positive emotions. Isn't that amazing? So you need to sing at church. Like that, we haven't been saying that for years because we want you to sing. We want you to be encouraged in the benefit of singing praises to your God. Another study showed that people who sing in worship each week live longer. Come on, who wants to live longer? So the book title is uh, Imperfect Harmony, Finding Happiness in Singing with Others. So there's actually a book on it, right? I'm not making this up. Okay, so... So we're going to do something for your health. I said the first one you're going to do is do a spiritual checkup. The second one you're going to do is you're going to build a habit of singing with other people. Sing in your grow groups. Sing in your home. Sing in the shower if you have a shower with your husband or wife. Sing in the church. Right? Sing together because it will release endorphins in your life and change the way you think. So the father celebrated. He had a celebration, not a condemnation, a celebration. Amen? Amen? Not a condemnation. He celebrated with us when we came into the kingdom of God. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. Will you serve us our communion today? And remember I said, 1 Corinthians 11.23. Remember I said from 1 Corinthians 11 that we need to come to a place of checking ourselves. 1 Corinthians 11.23 says this, On the night he was betrayed, 
the Lord Jesus took bread and he spoke a prayer of thanksgiving. Come on. That's praise, is it not? He spoke a prayer of thanksgiving. He broke the bread and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He said, I never want you to forget how much I love you. So I'm going to give you the two symbols to remember my death, my burial, and my resurrection. Two symbols. Listen to these. The first is baptism, and the second is the Lord's Supper. If you haven't been baptized, well, guess what? You should be. It's just a a straight out thing, being obedient to God. I've got some, thank you, dear. Uh, If you haven't been baptized, maybe there's a challenge in this for you today to seek one of us out and say, you know what, I want to be baptized and I want to do it publicly. It's one of the ways of saying, I've come home and I'm getting close to God. I'm coming home. And the second is this, it is what we're doing now. It is taking of the bread and the juice. It is taking the Lord's Supper. It says that Jesus prayed a prayer of thanksgiving before he served the communion. The word thanksgiving in the Greek is the word eucharisto. Have you ever heard the word Eucharist before? The Lord's Supper, it is communion. It's often called the Eucharist. Where is that word from? Eucharist is simply the Greek word for thanksgiving. When we take the Lord's Supper, when we take the Eucharist, when we take communion, we are saying, thank you, God. Thank you for not condemning me when I came home, but having a celebration every time I come home to you. And you may fail a thousand times. But the grace of God accepts you back. The grace of God covers you with his blood. A spiritual checkup means that we can come back into full favor of the grace of God in our life. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for all the things that you've done in my life. And I receive with thanksgiving today. So the first thing I want to ask you to do is stand to your feet. After communion, I'll call the band to come and we'll close our service with a, with a shout of praise. Hey? But the second thing I want to ask you to do is take a minute and examine yourself. Just close your eyes. It's between you and God. Ask Jesus, Where am I? How are we? Are we good today? Just let him know that you want to be more like him. Just begin to thank him for acceptance and his forgiveness, his love and mercy which he pours out upon you generously today. Just let him know that you want to start a journey of transformation. and You want to hear his voice. Just as he promised that his sheep will hear his voice. Lord, we want to hear your voice. We want to thank you. We are hungry for you. Make us thirsty. Make us thirsty for more of a relationship with you. What I hold in my hand, Jesus, this is your acceptance of me. And it cost you everything. 
that we move, as you hear what I'm saying, we move from checking ourselves, making sure that we're open enough and giving him the opportunity to say, hey, there's a little bit of pride here we need to deal with. Maybe you need to open up your heart a little bit and give. Or maybe you need to do just something different and be challenged in this area. We, we allow time for the Holy Spirit to speak to our heart. And then we transition that to the third thing, which I believe is I'm asking you to do today, which is to offer up thanksgiving. I'm grateful, Lord Jesus, and I'm thankful that you have accepted me in Christ. I am thankful, Father, that you throw your arms around me and you kiss my neck. That you have put a robe of righteousness upon me and a ring that says to me that I am your son. I am so thankful that you have shod my feet with good shoes and they are the shoes of the gospel that I am accepted in you. And that when I walk in these shoes, that they remind me that others haven't got the same shoes as me. So therefore help me to understand that they need the same shoes. They, they should be shod with the shoes of the Father. You see, thanksgiving opens you up to understanding who you are in Jesus. You begin to pray in unity with who he's called you to be and with the voice of his spirit. Today, you have this amazing opportunity to live a heart of gratitude and a life that says, I am so grateful for you, God. As you take the bread today, thank Jesus that he broke the bread for you. But not only did he break the bread for you, he gave up his body for you. And that it became broken that you may have wholeness. Thank you, Jesus. Let us take and eat. <laughs> Let us give thanks. Let us participate in the Eucharist. Thanksgiving. For his blood that has washed me completely clean. If you've never encountered that with Jesus today, he is giving you an invitation right now as you hold the juice in your hand to say yes to him. Jesus is saying, I have poured out my blood to set you free. He is saying, all you have to do is say yes to me. And I will run the rest of the way. I will make up more ground than you ever could in your own efforts. I will run the whole way and I will encounter you right where you are at right now. And you will encounter the forgiveness of the love of God in your life. Jesus, we thank you for the blood that you spilt for us today. Wash us clean. Restore our relationship with you. May we each walk out of here today knowing that we are drawing closer to God and God is drawing closer to us. As your brother James wrote, Lord Jesus, be the Lord of our life, be the Savior of our life, and we invite you to be the friend of our life. Take the juice today in thanksgiving in your heart. As the music team comes,
You can just put your cups in the seats, the stands in front of you. Our ushers will collect them afterwards, so don't panic about that. As the music team comes, would you just position yourself in a, in a place of receiving this morning as I pray over you? And go from that place of receiving as I pray to allow your heart to shift to give out of praise unto the Lord. And I'll sing a song, one of the praise songs that we've had this morning. And, but close your eyes, stand in a position of receiving and just begin to let God transform your spiritual health. Father, when we think of the grace that you have offered us, we are overwhelmed. It makes our heart want to sing. There's no way that we deserve this kind of reaction, this kind of celebration, this kind of welcoming when we come home. I thank you that you welcome us home, Father. We come to you and first we say we are fed up. We're fed up with the way we've been living. We're fed up with the life without Jesus. We're fed up with doing it all on our own and in our own power. We're fed up with all of that, Lord. And we own up today. We realise that we haven't moved, but we have. Sorry, we realise, Lord God, that you haven't moved, but we have. And the reason we're not close to you is because we've allowed other things to cloud our vision of you. We've allowed idols into our lives. We have loved other things more than you. And that has made you feel distant. But we come back and we own up to our sin. Then we offer up ourselves to you today, Lord God. We're not saying, give me, give me, give me anymore. We're saying, make me, make me. Make me into the image of what you see, Lord God, that we would become completely transformed, knowing, knowing full well that we are doing what you have called us to do. Lord, I give you permission to transform our lives during this 50-day campaign. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, then I would like to invite you to raise your hands this morning. Raise your hands this morning and pray this prayer from your heart. Pray it with your lips. Speak it out. But pray this deeply from your heart if you want to know Jesus in the way that I've described Him today. As you raise your hands, say this right now. Jesus Christ, You are the gift of salvation. Right now I accept You as my gift of salvation. Thank you for loving me and dying for me on the cross. I give myself back to you. I offer up myself to you. Make me your servant. Make me your son. I ask you to transform my life. In your name I pray, Jesus. Be the Lord of my life. Amen. If you've prayed that, 
for the first time ever in your life today, I want you to let your grow group leader know, your host, or come and tell one of the pastors, let us know what God's doing in your life through His Son, Jesus, today, so we can celebrate with you as God celebrates your coming home. Church, we will conclude with a song. Why don't we sing a song of praise unto our Lord? And if you need anything today from God, come forward and our pastors and our team will pray for you. And we'll just see that He will do a miracle of transformation in your life over the next 50 days. Amen. Reach out. Read your books each day. Get involved in a grow group. And make sure you don't miss one of these services because we've made made them available so that God can transform your life. Amen.